You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash messages. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to see everyone today. Everybody awake, went on your morning five-mile run, and you're good to go, and life is good. Uh, glad you're at church. I'm super excited about this message. God blessed it in a real special way last week, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about sharing it with you here uh, this morning. But before we jump into it, I want to piggyback on something that Pastor Jeremy just said. Uh, he talked about uh, us and, and our Feed 5000 effort, and we're feeding schools, and we're loving on three apartment complexes owned by the Colorado Coalition of the Homeless or managed by the coalition. And downtown, last time we were there last year, when we were passing out turkeys downtown to the uh, one apartment complex at that time, um, we would have homeless people walk up and say, hey, do you have any food for us? And all we had was like, you know, the frozen turkey. And, and they, can't, they don't have a kitchen. They're living on the streets. So, so they said, thanks, but no thanks. But we, they gave them like a can or something. We just weren't prepared for them. We went there to feed the, those in the apartment complex. Anyway, this year we want to be prepared. So you got an email about this. So what we're doing is we're creating custom homeless care kits specifically for those who are in the streets who show up and say, do you have any food for us? So in the hall, you see a box. This one says socks. But we're giving out uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, hand warmers, gloves, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we want you to bring that. Make sure it's new, obviously. Uh, protein bars and all kinds of fun stuff. So we're going to give that out in addition. This is the first time Thorn Creek's ever done this uh, with our Feed 5000 effort, but it, the Lord just has given us this opportunity. So... Uh, I'm super excited about this, guys. Isn't it cool you have a church that just looks for opportunities to love on people? And we all need the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. So please be a part of that. Um, Also, I want you to pray. We have 37 teenagers right now at YMCA at Estes Park. And they are at a youth camp right now, and they're hearing preaching. Pastor Nick preached yesterday, last night. They're hearing preaching, they're hearing the Word of God, and they're worshiping. And the prayer is that they have an encounter with God. So we have about four or five adults with them as well who are there. They're probably not getting any sleep, but pray that God gives them super strength and that God uses them and, uh, and, and these kids just have a new relationship with God. That's our prayer. You have, if this is a church that pours into lives of children and students and teenagers. So you're a part of it. So thank you for being here, guys. Uh, Let's pray, and we'll jump into the message. God, thank you for your grace and your love. We humble ourselves before you. You are good. You are God, and we just need you, Lord. Nobody else can satisfy us like you. So God, I pray, first of all, that by your grace, you uh, just take a hold of me, and may your spirit work in me and through me. For your good pleasure, God. May I say the things that you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less, and just be sensitive to your spirit as your spirit leads me, God. So anoint me, anoint this message, God. We need a word from you. And likewise, you have a part. Give God permission. Just say, God, speak to me. Make that your prayer. Say, God, speak to me. Open up my ears and Open up my heart and open up my eyes and give me insight to your will for my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. So um, I want to start off with a question. How much do you want from God? It's a strange question. How much do you want from God? Like, do you want all of God's blessing or are you satisfied with, let's say, 1% of the blessings from God for your life? 
You want all of God's will for you, or are you okay with just a little slice of God's will for you? You want all of God's Holy Spirit for your life? Do you want just a little bit? You want all of God's grace for your life, or are you okay with just a little bit of grace because you just need it? How much of God do you want in your life? Well, I'm guessing most of us would say, I need all of God. I want all of God. And I want to I want to ask you that I'm going to flip this around. I'm going to ask you this. Will you give all of yourself to God? It's a two-way street. Will you give all of yourself to God and every part of your life? Now, you're here right now. Some of you, this is your regular church. Others of you, maybe this is your first time. I want you to know you're not here by accident. God brought you here to hear this message. God has this word for you. And my, my encouragement is that you just open up your heart, open up your mind, and that's easier for some people than for others. And Pastor Jeremy said, we're talking about money today. So how many of you are just excited that you came to church and you're going to talk about money? And if, you, if you're just joining us, let me just tell you, we talk about money every single week. Every single week. We're just talking. No, we don't. I'm just kidding. But I love it when we do because, because Jesus talked about money a lot. And in the Bible... It is mentioned about money a lot, and the reason why it's mentioned so much is there's this spiritual connection with our heart and with our money. And as a pastor, I have a burden, and here's my burden, is I need to be responsible, and I need to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. I can't rip out any pages that's like, oh, I don't like this one, I don't like this page, I don't agree with this, oh, this was, you know, I don't want to rip, rip, rip. I can't do that. I have a responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. Also, my desire is, is I want to do my best to position you for the blessings of God. I have that responsibility. I want to make sure I have this to, to equip you and resource you so that you are positioned to experience the blessings of God in your home life, in your work life, in your financial life, in your emotional life, sex life, every part of your life. And that's the burden that I carry. I, I'm a, I have to be I have to be faithful to the word of God. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, Billy Graham said it like this. And I love this verse. I've shared it so many times. He said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. So true. If you looked at my bank account, you could see what's important to me. You would see my giving at Thorn Creek Church. You would see my giving for Food for Hope, and, and you would also see like Starbucks and Chipotle and Tokyo Joe's, and you would see these other restaurants that I frequent, and I would do the same thing. If I looked at your bank account, I could see what's important to you. I can see where you spend your time and, and what you value. That's what it is. It's a, it's a tattletale of the heart. What I want to do is I want to share two stories with you today of two different people. Both stories have to do with money. Both stories have to do with meeting Jesus. And both stories, these two guys respond differently. And when you look in the Bible, they're only separated. They're both found in the Gospel of Luke, and they're literally separated by one page, one chapter. So here's the first guy we're going to talk about. He's known as the rich young ruler. And you might think, gosh, that guy looks really literally similar to that million-dollar listing TV show. But yeah, it's just a I just saw a good-looking guy, and I thought, he's, let's just use him. So anyway, <laughs> that's him. But uh, Rich Young Ruler. Rich Young Ruler is the guy who grew up in church. 
This is the guy who grew up in church, knows the commandments of God, and uh, you could make an argument that his mom and dad were Christian. You might say something like that in modern-day language. But this is a guy who, who knows, and he's been successful. So Luke chapter 18, verse 18, starts off like this. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So how do I get to heaven, Jesus? It's a really good question. Verse 19, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. All parents just say amen to that. The man replied, (laughs) I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So Jesus gives him this checklist, and he's like, check, 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 honor your father, check, you know, do not lie, check, do not commit adultery, check, just goes right down the list. And then he said, I've been doing these since I was a child, and I grew up in the church ever since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Can you say one thing with me? One thing. You know, God knows everything. God knows you. God sees your heart. Another version says, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. And you see, there's one thing you haven't done. And then Jesus tells him, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then what does that say? It says, then come follow me. And what happened? Verse 23. But the man heard this. When the man heard this, he became very, very what? Why? Because he was very, what was that about? This guy was following all of the, you know, all doing all the right things and following the commandments, but Jesus knew there was one thing that he lacked. And if he really wanted to grow in his relationship with God, if he really wanted to know God's full purpose for his life, if he really wanted to know the life that God has for him, Jesus says, here's what you got to do. You got to sell everything you have. Now, Jesus doesn't make that commandment for every follower, but for him, he hit the nail on the head because he knew this rich young ruler loved his riches, his treasures, his money. And when it came to to deciding, do 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 I have my riches or do I follow Jesus, what did he choose? I'll take my riches. And he walked away. And he walked away sad because he was feeling pretty good. He was feeling pretty good until Jesus said, hey, there's that one thing, that one thing. If, if, it was, if you just surrender that one thing, makes me think, what's that one thing in your life? What is that one thing in your life that if you surrendered, you would be a different person? That one thing that you have learned to maybe coexist with and you don't even see maybe it is a problem. You look at this rich young ruler He's pretty proud about all these other things. He doesn't even think about, oh, this, this, my love for riches is, is hindering my relationship with God. My love for riches is, is not allowing me to experience the full will of God. He doesn't even think like that. He's thinking he's pretty good. And Jesus is saying, no, there's this one thing. See, the, 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 the danger with the one thing is we could live with it and convince ourselves that there's nothing wrong with it. We have that ability to reason. That one thing, that character flaw, that superior spirit, that pride, that ego, that love for money, whatever it is, that lust, whatever it is, that one 
thing. What is it? Let's flip the page. Luke chapter 19. It's a story about this guy named Zacchaeus. I picture him climbing a rope or climbing a tree with rope and a helmet, and he has a selfie, and he takes a selfie of him, and that's Zacchaeus. He's a short guy. And he heard Jesus was in town, so he climbs his tree to just see Jesus from a distance. So the story goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. That's important. This guy's famous in that region. And he became, he had become very rich. Now, tax collectors during this, these days were looked down upon. They were known to be swindlers. They were friends with the Roman government, and they were taking advantage of their countrymen. And they knew how to take advantage of the system. They stabbed people in the back. They knew how to fill their pockets with money, and that's what, that's what he was. That's what he was. So verse 3 says this. He tried to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So all of you, including myself who can't see above the refrigerator, you know what life's like. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass this way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be your guest in your home today. I look at that and I think, wow, was Zacchaeus so famous that even Jesus heard about him? Or is Jesus so big and he's God that he just knows everyone's name? <laughs> Verse 6 says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. And Zacchaeus is not expecting this. He just wants to get up on, you know, on this tree to get, a, get an eye of Jesus. And that's it. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to, into his house with great excitement and joy. Verse 7, look, everybody knows this, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. I mean, there's this consensus by the crowd. We all are in agreement that Zacchaeus is a scumbag. We're all in agreement that Zacchaeus is a liar, a cheater, and he robs people. We're all in agreement. He's a notorious sinner. And Jesus says, can I have dinner with you? That's the heart of Jesus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you have a Savior who wants to sit with the sinner? Aren't you glad you have a God who says, you're not too far for me? You have a God that says, I'll be by the liquor store. <laughs> you have a God that says, I'll, I'll sit with you. I need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. We all need the grace of God, don't we? Don't forget that. And then something happens. Something happens. So Jesus sits with him in verse 7. And verse 8, there should be like a verse 7.5. Because verse 8 says this. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Why would, you, why would Zacchaeus say that if something didn't happen between verses 7 and 8? He's hanging out in verse 7. He's sitting down with Jesus. And there's something that happens inside of that house. And Zacchaeus, his heart is changed. When you truly sit with Jesus, your heart is 
changed. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you won't stay the same. When you truly, truly have this encounter with God, an encounter with, with the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, it changes you. You're a different person. You no longer want to be in the back. You want to be in the front. You no longer you know, you stray away from, from this. You, you don't want to spend time in this. I mean, it just changes you. Your heart is changed. And Zacchaeus experiences this. And he says, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. Can you imagine people sitting there? This is what this guy's known for. And they all look at, I can only imagine everyone's faces. And I said, if I cheated everyone, anyone their taxes, I'll give them back. How many times? Four times. That's really significant. Because if you look in, in, in Leviticus chapter 6, the, the law was this. Leviticus chapter 6 tells us that if you ever wrong someone, you need to pay them back and you need to add 20% to whatever you owe them. Plus 20, that's the, that's the interest for you robbing someone, so to speak. But he doesn't do 20%. He doesn't do 20%. He says, I'm going to pay everyone back four times as much. Four times as much. So it's 120% compared to 400%. He's just so moved, so changed all of a sudden, the way he looks at money is different. And he all of a sudden, there's this new treasure in his life, and his name is Jesus. It's a brand new treasure. He's like, oh, I just love, I, I'm so, you, let me just say this. The best things in your life cannot be purchased. The grace of God, the blessings of God, the love of God, they can't be purchased. The things that will make your heart beat the most cannot be purchased. Think about it, all the material things you have, it's going to be in a matter of time that you're going to get bored of it and you're going to want something else. Very likely, Paul had to learn contentment. <laughs> he had to learn contentment. Zacchaeus was hated. He was beyond redemption. And people thought there's no way he could be a child of Abraham. But Zacchaeus was miserable, not because of what he had, but because of what he didn't have. Because of what he didn't have. So you have these two different people. Both have wealth, and both respond to Jesus differently. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed his value system. The rich young ruler had an encounter with Jesus, and then he wanted Jesus to change the subject. Why? So let me give you a couple of reasons what I've discovered. There's people who give, and then there's people who don't give. And, and I grew up not giving. I grew up not giving. I came to know Jesus at the age of 18, and I learned the principle of giving, the principle of what the Bible calls tithing after I came to know Jesus. But, but I, I, I didn't always give. And let me just tell you, as a pastor now for over 20 years, there's people who give and there's people who don't. There's people who go to church every weekend that don't give. And there's people who go to church every weekend that do give. And there's people who give sacrificially. And then there's people who don't. I was having a conversation with someone, and they were talking to me about the money they gave to Prevail, our capital campaign. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but this family lives on a fixed income. And if you total their giving for Prevail, they told me it equals to 50% of their total income in their home. Whew. I was like, wow. I, I was so humbled. I, I just say thank you just didn't feel like it was enough. It just didn't feel like it was enough. Here's a couple of reasons why people don't give. 
One is this, and it's really simple. First reason is this, no conviction to give. It's just not there. You can come to church every weekend, and you have zero conviction. You say, well, I, you know what? I don't think I have to give to go to heaven, so I don't think it's a real issue. And you know what? God understands my situation, and I don't even feel like, yeah, I, I know the Bible talks about that, but when I can, I do. And, and, and you know, I can't, God knows my situation, and God knows my bills, and I, it's just kind of it's a non-issue. I don't feel like there's anything to reconcile. Yes, I love Jesus. No conviction to give. It's just the reality, right? For some people, just absolutely no, no concern. I was talking to someone who, who now gives. Now they, 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 they tithe, but there was a time they didn't. And, and this person told me, I just honestly didn't have any conviction at all. I was like, okay. So I'm listening to him. And, and then he said, but he, he went to college and, and, and he has debt now because, you know, because of college. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he, he said this interesting thing to me. He said, you know what, Reuben, it makes me wonder though. He said, if I would have honored God during my days of college, I wonder if I would have had as much debt as I do have now. Interesting perspective. <laughs> Here's the other reason why people don't give. It's fear. Fear of not having enough. If I, were to, if I were to give, wow, how would that affect this? And how would, I, how, would, how would I affect this? And, you know, what about my money situation? Uh, you know what? I'll start, you know, when I win the lottery, boy, how many times have I heard that? How many pastors have heard that? When I win the lottery, pastor, or whatever, or, or when I, how many more payments do I have for this F-350 truck I have? Um, with the, uh, well, once the truck is paid off, you know, which incidentally, I'm not sure God told you to buy the truck. That's another story. But, you know, after that, then I'll start getting, you know, fear. Fear is so powerful. Fear can, fear can hold you back from surrendering yourself to God. Fear can drive you into relationships that you shouldn't be in. Fear can be a strong motivation, and, and fear can keep you from being obedient to God. Fear. Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. There is this incredible connection between your heart and your treasure. Let me just say this. <clears throat> Let me say this. The most loving people are giving people. Now, you don't have, you know, if I were to show you everyone who gives at the church, I'm, I wouldn't do that. But if we were to look at that together, and if you were to look at just the sacrificial giving and you can look at that, that person who gives sacrificially, the person who tithes sacrificially, and I'm just going to tell you, if you looked at them and you looked at that number, you'd be like, oh, well, that makes sense. I know their spirit. Their spirit is beautiful. And likewise, let me tell you, the most selfish people <clears throat> are most greedy people. They don't give. And many times they're the most critical people. They're the most judgmental people. So really, if you want to know who gives, all you have to do is listen. Because people who give sacrificially are, are just sweet spirits, encouraging and loving spirits. They empty themselves out. They empty themselves out. In fact, I'll tell you this. When, I, when, when I'm told that someone has stopped giving, give it six months and that person's going to be on a spiritual road that's affecting their character, their marriage, their home, their life. There's this connection. 
They're no longer at the church. They're no longer serving. They're no longer, and then a grenade went off in their home, and now they're, they're trying to put together pieces. But I can tell you, it started. It started with that. Your spirit and your attitude are tied together. All right, let's look at the Bible, what the Bible has to say. Old Testament talks about this word called tithe, and New Testament talks about this word called tithe as well. Both Old Testament and New Testament encourage people to give. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 says this. Uh, this, is, this is the word. Here, you must set aside a, what church? A tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvested, harvest each year. This is the word to the Israelites here. Be, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain and new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. And why should you do this? Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. So when you honor God with a tithe, when I first heard the word tithe, I honestly, I like, I have no idea what that word means. It's not in my vocabulary. Dave Ramsey, financial advisor, says this, the tithe is the first 10% of your income that should be given to your local church. It's strictly measured in money, so you can't replace it with giving your time or your talents. Okay? It's, this is the New Testament application of what the Bible talks about in tithing. Pastors all over the world, most pastors, most Bible scholars support biblical tithing as the beginning for any Christian. So it's 10% of your income. So this is so important. I know this is going to sound silly, but if you make, let's say, $5,000 every month, what would your tithe be for that month then? $500, right? You make $1,000, what would your tithe be? 100 bucks. That's what it is. It's 10%. We live in a day and age now where we don't always call a tithe a tithe. You might give a little bit and say, this is my tithe. It might be a percentage of your tithe, but it's not your full tithe. So this is, this is what we're talking about here. Dave Ramsey said it really, really well. And it's your, it's your money. So I, I, know, I recognize you might put a dollar amount to your time and say your time is worth X dollars. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your your money. This is honoring God with what God has given you. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, he plays for this team called the Raiders. He's one of the richest contracts in NFL history. And a reporter asked him at a press conference if there was anything in particular he was going to do with splurging his money that he just, he just made. And he said this, first thing I will do is pay my tithe like I have since I was in college, getting $700 on a scholarship check. That won't change. I'll do that. I just imagine his pastor going, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I just said, that's awesome. <clears throat> John D. Rockefeller, uh, he found, founder of Standard Oil Company, became one of the world's wealthiest men and a major philanthropist. He's widely considered the wealthiest American of all time and the richest person in modern history. By today's standards, he would be worth twice the net worth of Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, by today's standards. And he said this, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. 
There's a lot of truth to that. Because you know what happens? When you, when, you know, right now, my, my, my kids, my daughter babysits, and she gets money, and, and, and I ask her, okay, you know, she knows the principle of tithing, and I told her, okay, sweetheart, this is the starting point, 10%. If you want to give more, that's up to you. How much do you want to give? She said, I think I'll start with a tithe, Dad. I said, okay, that's, that's fine. You start with a tithe. But she does that. And my son, who's in Nashville, works, and he, sends, he, he, he tithes here to Thorn Creek Church. But I want them to learn, and te- parents, teach your kids now. When they get 20 bucks for mowing a lawn or shoveling a driveway, whatever it is, 10 bucks, teach them now. Because something happens when you see more zeros on the check. You know what I'm saying? When there's more zeros on the check, you're like, ooh, that's a lot of money. I can buy, you know, some toys with that. I I can go on vacation. All of a sudden, there's this little pause and, and, and that pause is good because God wants, it's an act of worship when you say, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor you, Lord, with this. What's the difference with tithing and offering? Here it is. Gosh, guys, you know what? A strong church is a loving church. That's what we're doing with Feed 5,000 and loving on people. But a strong church is a giving church as well. A tithe and an offering, what's the difference? A tithe, um, let's go to that slide, Ezra. A tithe is an amount, a percentage of your income, and an offering is given is anything given beyond that, but not in place of the tithe? That's the difference. Got it? So don't call an offering a tithe. An offering is above and beyond. It's above and beyond. In Leviticus, it tells us a little bit more about this tithe. It says a tithe, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from, uh, from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy. It, that means it belongs to God. That means God is watching you. He wants to know if you're aware that he is the provider of your life. Let me just say this. Don't try to hustle God. We all battle our flesh. I know some of you, you might think you're pretty smooth and you're pretty articulate and you might know how to get your way. Don't try to hustle God because God sees everything Don't reason away with being obedient to God. Say, God, you know my intentions. And when it comes to tithing, don't try to hustle God. And say, God, you know, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you 10% of my actual salary, but I'm going to give my time over here, God, so give me credit over here. Or I'm going to do some business services over here, God, or that's not a tithe. Or giving to food for hope is not a tithe. That's an offering. You bring your ties to your place of, of worship. Or don't try to hustle God and say, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to honor you 10 months out of the year. In the months of June and July, I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to, I, mean, I need that money, God. You know I need that money. You know how badly I need rest, God. God wants you to honor him 12 months out of the year, every pay period. And it even happens with pastors. I've seen pastors try to hustle God. I'm part of a team that oversees pastors across Colorado, and I interview pastors, and we talk about the calling, their character, and how the Lord is moving in their life. And there was this one, uh, he was an evangelist, it's an old word, it means he travels around pa- uh, preaching. And I'm, I'm talking to him, and he tells me, I, I find out in the conversation that he doesn't tithe. And inside, I'm bubbling up because I believe he should be tithing at the local church that he calls a home church. Even though he's traveling, he should be giving to that local church to support the message of the gospel. And I'm like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean you don't tithe? Like all the money you're getting from is coming from generous people. 
And in fact, that church is open and operational because you have faithful people tithing in that church. Sounds so hypocritical. I, I told him, what you're doing is sin. You're a hypocrite. You can't go around being an evangelist and expect the blessing of God over your life when you yourself is not, is not tithing. That's what I told him. I had another pastor tell me he wanted a raise. The church wouldn't give him a raise. So he gave himself a raise and stopped tithing. I told him, you are robbing God. You are robbing God. You are robbing God. Found out from, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you all these stories about pastors. You're not gonna wanna go to, this other guy, he was a music pastor and, and he started telling me how he gives to different organizations and he was very proud of it. And I said, oh, that's great. That's great. And, and how's your ties coming to your local church? And he got quiet and he said, well, my, my tithe is to all of these organizations. I spread it around as I see fit. That's what I do. I said, what about your local church? And he said, well, I technically don't tithe to my local church. His own pastor was not aware that his music guy was doing that. And I said, it's great that you're doing all this. That's wonderful. But your first priority, biblically, is to your local church. And on top of that, you give. Don't try to hustle God. Dave Ramsey said this. If you can't live off 90% of your income, then you're probably struggling to live off 100% anyway. And that means you have bigger financial problems you need to address. It shouldn't require a miracle for you to get through the month with 10% less in your wallet. Isn't that good? Jesus said this. <clears throat> He's talking to Pharisees. Matthew, New Testament. What sorrow awaits you teaches religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying it's all important. It's part of your worship. Hear this. Tithing is part of your worship to God. Tithing is part of your worship to God. It shows God that you are aware he is the provider of your life and you depend on him. That's what it does. King David was raising money to build the temple. And in 1 Chronicles 29, he says this, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. So you see this with King David. King David, he's a great worshiper. He's a great prayer, prayer. <laughs> he prays amazing, and, and he's a songwriter, and you see him all over Psalms. But you also see that he has this real keen awareness that his whole life has been given to him by the hand of God. He understands he's in this leadership position because God put him in this leadership position. He understands all the wealth he has and all the riches is because God has blessed him with it. He's just very aware of it. My guess, he's never forgotten the grace of God from Psalm chapter 51 when God forgave him for the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah. And he says, God, you know what? We're giving all this to you, but I don't know. How do we get credit for this, God? Because, you know, you gave it to us and we're just giving it back to you. Right. Can we get credit for that? 
because you gave it to us and we're giving it back to you. That's how he saw his finances. When I talk to generous givers, generous tithers, people who love the kingdom of God, people who help advance the local church for the, for the gospel of Christ, and when I talk to them about their money, they always tell me, they always give me the same feelings. They're like, you know what, it's just, <clears throat> it's all God's anyways. They always say something like that. It's all God's anyways. It's all God's anyways. When you look at it like that, sometimes, you know, when related to our fear, we say we have this fear of not having enough. We're really wondering, God, I'm not sure how good you are with math. I'm not real sure, God, how good you are with understanding circumstances. But God is bigger than any math problem you have, glory to God. <laughs> He's bigger than any circumstance you have. He wants all of you. And when you offer, offer him and you say, God, and you do it with a heart of worship, it pleases God. Andy Stanley said this, what percentage should you give? I tell people to start with 10% because the Bible writers have a lot to say about the tithe, which means a tenth. For some people, for some people that's extremely uncomfortable, but so is a colonoscopy, and, and those save countless lives. That was a good way to put it, just in case you're struggling with it. You can have your choice. <laughs> Randy Alcorn said, tithing isn't the ceiling of giving. He said, it's not the ceiling of giving, it's the floor. It's not the finish line of giving, it's just the starting blocks. Tithing can be a training wheels to launch us into the mindset, skills, and habits of grace giving. I hear stories all the time of people who took this faith step. I remember Tawny. Tawny, uh, she's a fish biologist at a 10 Thorn Creek. She's, if you want to know where all the hot fishing spots are, talk to Tawny, she'll tell you. But uh, I, I remember she told me that she took this big faith step at Thorn Creek to start tithing, and, and she was in the middle of college, and she's getting her PhD now, and, 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 and she said she wrote out her tithe check. It's very limited right now because of all the time required for her research, but she wrote it out <coughs> And she said, she, said, she said, Pastor, the very, very next week, like three days later, she said, I got a check from my, from, my, from my grandmother. I typically don't get checks from her. But the check that she sent me was exactly the amount of my tithe check down to the penny. That's what happens when you exercise obedience and faith. That's what happens. You experience a supernatural realm. You experience God moving on the other side. And God doesn't show you that until you exercise obedience and faith. God doesn't show you that until you surrender. So you can just apply that to your whole life. Apply it to your whole life. See, it wouldn't be faith if she would have gotten the check first and then said, okay, I'll go ahead and tithe. That's not faith. She took that faith step first, and then the check came in. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying if you tithe, money's going to come down from heaven. But I'm just going to tell you, when you tithe, God has a way. He has a way. And I'm living proof, and so many of you are living proof as well. You know exactly what I'm talking about. God has a way of making things work. You just don't sweat about stuff. It's a miracle. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he just makes a way. He just makes a way. <clears throat> Malachi. Malachi 
chapter 3 is a pretty popular passage about tithing. And this is what God tells the Israelites. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. Put me to the test. And then look what, you, look what God says. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. See, that's something you can't do. But would you honor God with your life and you honor him with your finances? God does things that you don't even see. The grape won't fall until it's ripe and the insects won't hurt you. The diseases won't hurt. It just, uh, be careful. This isn't prosperity preaching here. I'm just telling you, God has a way. Rick Warren said, most people fail to realize that money is both a test and a trust from God. I want you to hear this. Paul the Apostle talks about this. Before you give any money, give yourself to God first. Sometimes people just give the money and write the check, but they don't give themselves to God first. You give yourself to God first. That that means you say, God, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my heart. You take every corner, every category of my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. It's like Zacchaeus. It's like Zacchaeus. You say, I'm going to give myself first to you. That's the difference between the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler couldn't give himself. Couldn't give his money. Give yourself first to God. My life, my problems, my marriage, my home, my fears, my desires, my worries. Give yourself first to God. Then you honor him with everything else. Cool? Cool. Honor him. <clears throat> I've, uh, you know, when I, when I learned the principle of tithing, I just applied it to my whole life. People always ask, well, how much should you tithe, whether it's your gross or your net? That's the wrong spirit. You decide. You decide. You don't hustle God. When you get to this place of Zacchaeus, you just want to honor him, period. When I was in sales and marketing in the software consulting firm way back when, and I would tithe off of my commission checks. I would tithe off of my Christmas bonus. I would tithe off of my tax return. I would tithe off of everything because it was all income. Any income that came in, I would want to honor God. And, and I, I, I'm just, you need to do what you need to do, but I'm just telling you, God will bless you for being faithful. God, and he's really good at math. He's going to bless you for being faithful. He's going to bless you for being faithful. So I prayed about this, like how to wrap up this, this message. And uh, I, I know you came to church and, and I believe the Lord wants you to hear this message. So here's how I want to wrap up this message, guys. Uh, I thought about like, like putting out little cards for you to check off or maybe a hand saying, I'll do it, whatever it is. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go bold here <laughs> because the Bible is bold. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm going to challenge you to start tithing 
even today. That's the challenge. So maybe that means after church, you go home and you write out that tithe and you send it and you say, from now on, every pay period, this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to, that's, that's, my, that's my challenge. That'll be the, your response. Your check will be your response. I would encourage you to do what Grace and I, Grace and I do. We have a, a we, we, through our bank, we set up an auto pay. So this way we don't ever forget. So literally the day I get paid, the very next day it's auto pay. It'll come out immediately. That tithe comes out of my account to Thorn Creek Church. So that's, that's just because I don't want to forget. <laughs> and sometimes if you forget, what happens is a day goes by, a week goes by, and you're like, oh my goodness, how much money do we have left? Oh, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. And I've, I've done that before too. And then you say, oh, I'm going to pay back. I'm going to pay it. You know how that goes. I've done that before. So I just want to challenge you to, to, to go big. Do it for the right reason. With a heart of worship between you and God. If you don't like this church because we talked about money, go to another church and tithe over there. Just tithe at the church that God calls you. And let that be a starting point. In the early church, they didn't give 10%. They gave way above 10%. You know why? Because they were living in the day of grace. And the thought of doing minimum, that's our human nature, is what's the minimum amount I need to do to get into heaven? What's the minimum amount I need to do to be considered good? What's the minimum amount I need to do to consider to be considered whatever? That's our, that's our human nature. That's our flesh. I want to challenge you to flip that over and have a Zacchaeus mentality, have a Zacchaeus attitude, and say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put God first and see what God does. Here's this. If this is really hard for you, in three months, come back to me and you can tell me God wasn't faithful and we'll give you back your tithe. All right? I'm being totally serious. In three months, if you feel like God hasn't been faithful to you, just let us know. And we'll look to see how you've been given for the last three months. And if you've been given faithfully the last three months and God hasn't been faithful to you, we'll give you back your money. Totally serious. That cool? Trying to help you out a little bit. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for your grace and your love. Whew, Lord, you're so good. You're so good, God. Thank you. God, I know there's hearts here. People here of uh, maybe there's some worries or troubles or problems or whatever, or or maybe for some people, God, they're just living on the mountaintop. Wherever we're at, God, we we turn to you. And maybe your first decision is to put Jesus first in your life. If you need to receive Jesus into your life, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I'm a sinner in need of grace, just like Zacchaeus. Oh, give me a new heart. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Give me a new life. I choose to become a Christian. Others of you, maybe you're a little bit like that rich young ruler. Maybe you need to say this. God, today, I want to honor you with my entire life. First of all, I give you myself. I give you myself. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you myself. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And Lord, I want to make this decision here today. I want to take this faith step, and I want to honor you, God. I want to start tithing. You know my financial situation, God. I believe you're pretty good with math. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that 
you're able to provide in a creative way the way you can do it. I'm just going to leave that in your hands, God. So I worship you first. And now I worship you with what you've already given me because as David said, it already it has come from your hands and I'm giving back to you what you've given to me. And I choose to honor you with a full 10% of my income. May you be glorified, God. I do this as an act of worship. This is not a bill I'm paying. This is not a mortgage payment. This is not a car payment. This is my act of worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.